for choosing to listen to Coffee with Katie and Kick-Ass Women. I'm your host, Katie Myers, and I'm starting off with a question for you today. How many of you listening right now are scared? Not scared of the boogeyman or scared of the dark, but how many of you are genuinely scared? And what are you scared of? Is it the bills? Is it an unhappy relationship, trouble at work? Um, And I'm asking you this question because I am terrified right now. I am about to start a new job. I am in just a couple of days moving to a brand new city. And a few days after that, I'll be starting a brand new job, meaning a whole brand new team and asking them to trust me. And it, it is terrifying. And if you're like me in the past, you've let fear prevent you from making a step like this. You've let it prevent you from making a a huge decision or um, furthering your career, furthering your personal life. I let fear personally, I let fear of divorce make me stay in an unhappy marriage for far too long. I let fear of social situations and social awkwardness keep me from going out, from creating my community. And I let fear of failure and speaking my mind keep me from starting this podcast. So it was really only a few months ago that I realized really what fear was preventing me from doing. I have my best friend Tara to thank for that. She called me crying. She was about to put an offer in on a house and she was just super scared of what that meant and that that huge life change. And I was like, but Tara, why are you calling me? I have never bought a house before. I, I don't know what you want me to say. And she was like, well, I'm calling you because you are one of the bravest people that I know. And that was the first time anyone had ever called me brave. I was very overwhelmed. I had never even considered myself to be a brave person. I had considered fear to pretty much rule my life. And so I just, I started exploring my bravery. I started recognizing the things that I had accomplished. I started patting myself on the back for those things. I started, you know, looking at others who I admired for being really brave and trying to learn from them and just really find my courage. And it was during that journey, I know I buried the lead here, it was during, during that bravery journey uh, when I found Jessica Honiger. Jessica is the founder of Noonday Collection, which is a $17 million business based on empowering women. On the surface, it's a jewelry company, and she contracts women from all over the world who design and make these beautiful, beautiful pieces. But what she's done is she's basically created this sisterhood that affects more than 20,000 people worldwide. It's it's really remarkable. And none of it could have happened if she didn't have the guts, the courage to say no to that little voice in her head, that little voice we all have that was telling her to run, telling her to run fast, far, do something safe, don't take the risk. But she did it anyway. And She just put her entire story into this book, this amazing book called Imperfect Courage. So just a few weeks ago, we sat down at Rosella Coffee House to dive deep into fear and to give you hopefully a little perspective and a little courage, borrow our courage to do those things that you've always wanted to do. Now we did swap out coffee um, for some beer during this one. So we are not drinking coffee. We are drinking beer. So with that being said, join me for Cold Brews with Katie and Jessica Honker.
Jessica. Hey. We've already been talking for a really long time. <laughs> no, I really want to interview you oh, right okay. now. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm always okay. ready. I might turn the tables on you, That's Katie. That's fine. But what I like about this is feel free to. Like, let's just okay. have a regular conversation. Okay. Um, but for the people that are listening that may not be familiar with you, may not be familiar with Noonday Collection, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of deeper stuff. And since I know your story, <laughs> I want to just, like, go in. But for those listening that don't know it, Give yes. us like an overview of Noonday Collection and how it started. Absolutely. Yeah. So the 101. Yes. The 101 of Noonday. Yeah. So Noonday Collection is a socially responsible fashion brand, and we are creating opportunities for people around the world. And we do that by partnering with artisans that live in really vulnerable communities, and they make absolutely stunningly beautiful handmade accessories mm -hmm. that we sell in the United States through a network of women that we call Noonday Collection Ambassadors. And these ambassadors are earning an income while making an impact. We have around 2,000 women all over the country wow. that are creating a marketplace for the artisans that we partner with. Mm -hmm. We now partner with 4,500 artisans that impact 20,000 community members in some of the world's poorest areas. Um, and that sounds real fancy. <laughs> It's, those are very big numbers. It's, it sounds like big numbers, and it is, but it all started with me saying a very shaky, scary yes around eight years ago. My husband and I had two children, and we wanted to adopt to bring our third child into our family. And we made that decision. We started walking down that road, and we absolutely um, started pursuing a, an adoption out of Rwanda. And before you knew it, the recession hit, and all the money that we were going to use in order to fund that adoption, we're now paying the groceries. Yeah. And then we were putting the groceries on the credit card bills. Yeah. So I knew that if this dream of a child in Rwanda was going to happen, I needed to hustle hard and find something in order to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And some of my friends who were actually from San Antonio yeah. were living in Uganda. And they had told me, Jessica, we have some really talented artisans we're working with. We believe in them. We think that they could be the future leaders of Uganda. They just don't have a marketplace. Would you be willing to create a marketplace for them? And I had laughed them off the first time they had told me about this. Yeah. But then desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah. And a few months later, when now we're putting groceries on the credit card bill, I thought I could sell these African-made items. Mm -hmm. And so I did. I texted my friends living in Uganda, and I said, hey, is that offer still on the table? Yeah. They said, absolutely. I drove down to San Antonio. I dusted off all of these beautiful items that have been sitting in storage. I invited women into my home, and I was so afraid no one would come. I was so afraid no one would show up for me. I was so afraid that I was going to look totally desperate, mm -hmm. and I almost called it off. But what I've learned is that our purpose is waiting for us, when we walk through our fears. Our impact is right on the other side of our fears. And so in spite of my fear, I kept going anyway, and women showed up for me. Women came, women purchased the product, women wanted to use their purchasing power for good, they wanted to gather together to do good, and that's what started New Day Collection. And after that night, there was a very popular necklace that sold out. Mm -hmm. And women that night said, well, I want to get my hands on that necklace. And it sold out. Can I open my home? Can I do this? Mm -hmm. And a lot of women said yes to me. And many of them were afraid. No one was going to show up at their party. But they did it anyway. And now we're getting to literally change the world and empower women in some of the 
world's poorest areas and some of the worlds where, where women are most disenfranchised, mm-hmm. we're getting to do the very thing that empowers a woman, which is a good job. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And being able to provide for her family Absolutely. and her friends and her community. And economic empowerment. Mm-hmm. I think that many women are disenfranchised, mm-hmm. and especially in India where uh, women traditionally aren't even allowed to leave their home or work. And once they are able to economically contribute to their family, that creates power for them. Right. So we've really seen this multiplication of power happen when a woman can earn a dignified living doing something dignified with right. her life. Yeah. So you, I mean, all of these things in just that small amount of time, adopting a child, um, you know, going through financial struggles, starting this business, there have been so many uh, things you've had to be brave about. Yeah. And so many fears to overcome. Is there like a pivotal moment where you remember being brave for the first time? Yeah. Well, I definitely remember the day I pawned my gold jewelry. Yeah. I had received some gold jewelry from my grandma and my mom in middle school. And there was a time where after that first original night where I opened my home for women, I knew I needed to build a website, but we didn't have any money. So I am culling together. I'm selling things on Craigslist. I'm doing different things, um, but I really needed a, a punch. And so I culled together some gold jewelry. Yeah. And then I even asked, I haven't even said this out loud, but I asked my mom's friends, like, do you have any mismatched earrings or even earring backs? Loose stuff hanging Loose around. Loose stuff hanging around. Wow. I think it's because at the time gold was like doing well. Well, I remember that too remember because that? people were just, they Desperate. needed money. We needed money. Yeah. Yes. And so, so it and then the price of business. gold, I think because the Shot actual up. dollars weren't doing well, right. but like gold as a commodity was mm-hmm. doing well. Yeah. Yeah. So I like got together this scrap gold and I remember going to the post office to weigh it because I couldn't afford a scale and I didn't want to go to the pawn shop and not know what it was worth. So I weighed it on, I was like, well, what, where else has scales? So post offices have scales. So yeah. I weighed it in a post office and then I converted from like ounces to grams and then I went and shopped it at a few pawn shops. I still, honestly, if I have a regret, it's that I don't know if I really got what it was worth. <laughs> um, Not the gold jewelry itself, it's the value yeah, of it. But I yeah, I remember feeling walking, because pawn shops can be a little seedy yes. and I remember just going into these seedy pawn shops mm-hmm. and holding out this fistful of jewelry and it, it was a scary moment. It's yeah. a scary moment but I went anyway, and I remember that, and then I remember a few months later after Noonday was obviously gaining traction. It was obviously Mm -hmm. a business idea that I thought, okay, this is uh, no longer a fundraiser. We can really scale this into a business, and Mm -hmm. I knew I needed to ask for help, Mm -hmm. and I went and I reached out to different people, and one of the people I reached out to really for mentorship after about a month of meeting with him at coffee shops mm-hmm. at six in the morning before yeah. he was going to his with coffee and not cold brews, not cold brews, although cold brews <laughs> maybe that would have been Maybe? better. I don't know. <laughs> it was coffee. It was like six in the morning. I won't ask that question. Yeah. 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 And so, um, his name was Travis. That was really my big brave. I think when it's one thing, when you risk selling all your jewelry and not really knowing if it's going to pay off, sort of these acts of bravery that are vulnerable and they're costing you um, 
possibly your reputation or your own money, but when your bravery becomes linked with other people, that to me is where I really built my courage legs. And the first time that I really exercised that bravery, first of all, was with our first artists and partners, Jalia and Daniel. Mm -hmm. Jalia and Daniel, at first it was just them sending me these African-made goods Mm -hmm. and me starting to sell them in friends' houses. Well, before you know it, they're emailing me and they're saying, okay, well we're going to hire a couple of people to help Uh-oh. us with this. Yeah. So suddenly they're, they're linked with me and my prosperity is linked with theirs. Their prosperity is linked with mine. So that definitely uh, made the stakes higher than mm-hmm. when it was just me kind of hustling. Then I realized I needed help. If I was going to actually grow this into a business, I needed help. And I reached out to a friend that I had grown up with, and I knew that her husband, they had lived in Africa for a while, and he had run a microfinance loan bank. Mm -hmm. And then he had gone on to get his MBA and had worked in finance. Mm -hmm. So I knew that he had a finance background, but then also had this vision to create entrepreneurial opportunities for African women in particular, which Mm -hmm. was my passion. So I reached out to him for mentorship. Yeah. Like, hey, look at my numbers, look at my idea. I know I'm selling like crazy, but am I really making money? Is this profitable? Is this scalable? Mm-hmm. So we began to meet for about a month over coffee, and he, unbeknownst to me, would go home after these meetings, and he would talk to his wife and say, hey, we've, you know, I've always wanted to run a business. I've always wanted to do a social business. And mm-hmm. He and his wife had been saving for years. For this goal. For this goal. Wow. So after a month of meeting together in a mentorship type Mm -hmm. capacity, he says to me, would you be open to becoming um, my business partner? Could could Mm -hmm. I go into partnership with you? I have a life savings account and I will live off of it until we see if this idea is actually scalable. And he has three children. One of them has Down syndrome. His wife wasn't working because she was caring for their son's needs. Mm -hmm. So when someone says, I'm going to live off my life savings account to see if this idea is actually going to, my idea, that is when um, so many fears, I mean, I felt paralyzed by fear. I felt like, but if it doesn't work out, then they're going to be left with nothing. I'm going to cause this family to go homeless someday. I mean, that is the kind of thoughts that I was, that were, that were going through my head. Mm-hmm. And I, that's also when I began to be very paralyzed by, by perfectionism. It mm. was as if I needed to be able to predict yeah. the successful outcome, mm-hmm. but that's not risk. Yeah. Risk involves being able to take um, a meaningful risk and not knowing the outcome. That's what vulnerability is. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is not knowing exactly how it's all going to turn out. Mm-hmm. Vulnerability is inviting women into your home and not knowing if everyone's going to show up. It's saying how you really feel in in a relationship and not knowing if the person's going to stick around. And that's what risk is. That's what vulnerability is. And that's where I really grew my courage legs. Because it was in saying yes to Travis that I really showed I'm willing to risk not knowing absolutely what the outcome is to see if we can build something beautiful together. And, you know, there have been a lot of failures along the way, a lot of missteps. Mm -hmm. I still can stay up at night sometimes with the responsibility that comes from now running a business that impacts 
and has linked prosperity now, not just with Jolliet and Daniel and the handful of people they hired, but now with the 4,500 people we partner with. Yeah. But I have to say there is impact and purpose on the other side of fear. Mm -hmm. And I think we wish that we could just sit and wait for the fear to subside. But instead, you have to make fear your friend. Mm -hmm. And you have to walk through that fear (laughs) to get to the other side of impact. I think it was in this exact story um, with Travis that I heard you talk about on the podcast. In that sometimes when you can't find bravery within yourself, when you can't dig uh, deep down and pull it out. Yes. And I think you called it borrowing yeah. bravery. Borrowing bravery. Yeah. Yes. And one of our listeners actually wrote us in and was like, oh my gosh, ask her if she gets her courage from within or from without. Uh, and that made me think of borrowing bravery. Yeah. And what exactly is borrowing bravery and how have you right. also used that to get you over the fear? Right. Well, hopefully we've all had those moments in our lives where someone else sees something else in us that we don't see in ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe it was a teacher. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a coach. Mm -hmm. And, man, there's so much power in being able to live into what other people see in us. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to go, you know what? I can be my own worst enemy. I can be my own worst critic. Yeah. But who there out there sees me? Yeah. Who out there is my coach? Yeah. Who out there can be that person that sees what isn't yet, but mm-hmm. sees me almost as my future self? Yeah. And I think that we can borrow belief from other people and what they're believing in us. Yeah. And courage is contagious. Mm-hmm. And so I believe that as we, you know, courage isn't meant to go alone. You know, I think that, yes, there's a certain level of courage that it took me in the pawn shop, but it's a whole another nev- level of courage when I'm linking arms with Jalia, when I'm linking arms with Travis, and now when I'm linking arms with thousands of people around the world. Right. And I think that's where, even to this day, I mean, launching this book, it's like been a whole new level yes. of bravery. Mm-hmm. It's been a whole new endeavor to say, are people going to see me as a CEO who can also speak into this message of going scared? Are people going to not just buy earrings from my company, but buy a book written by me with my name on it? But they are buying it. They are. (laughs) (laughs) Surprise, not surprised. So the book, I'm really interested in talking to you about um, because I would love to know kind of the process of where it began. Yeah. Did somebody approach you? Did you ask for it? Was it something that you wanted to do? I mean, and I'll be honest, I haven't read the whole thing, but it's really well written, the parts that I have Thank you. read through. And, Thank you. You know, yeah. also, how do you make the decision to write a book while you're running a company and you've got your family? I, right, you know, right. That's just... Well, I'm so passionate about building this flourishing world. At Noonday, we say that we're building a flourishing world where women are empowered, where people have jobs, where children are cherished, where we are all connected. And there's just something about a book that can validate an idea. Mm-hmm. And books, I mean, my book's in Costco. My book, someone was at the Chicago O'Hare Airport yesterday and bought my book at a bookstore in the airport. And so just knowing that this story of bravery and of courage and also too, you know, I think I always associated the word courage with with Martin Luther King and Rosa Parks and these heroes. Mm -hmm. But what I've realized is courage is really feeling the fear and going anyway. And we all can have a hero within. Like we're all called to this hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And that's really the message that I wanted to be able to share Mm -hmm. 
while also platforming the stories of these women and families that have mm-hmm. been impacted by a, a dignified job. Right. That, that, that happened because I said yes to a bunch of women coming into my house one night to buy jewelry. Yeah. So it's, it's just a story of owning vulnerability. It's a story of sisterhood, and it's a story of building this flourishing world. Mm-hmm. And I think a book is such a powerful platform to be able to tell that story. Yeah. So I had been dreaming about a book for a little while, mm-hmm. um, but I knew that Noonday needed to have some validated success before I could actually write a story about it. For sure. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I think once that happened and once we started seeing the business gain some traction, I realized, you know what, I want to speak this into other people's lives and get them to go do their thing and not let fear sideline them and not stay seated on the couch. And I think when I wrote this book, I had this very clear image of a woman sitting on a couch and she had wine in one hand, she had her smartphone in the other, she it was like on her fourth Netflix episode of Who Knows What. Yep, guilty. <laughs> right. Know, we've and all been there. We've all been there. And you yeah. know what? I was there this week. I mean, I was just like, I need to chill out. Sometimes I watched you just like need the, a break. Sometimes you need a break. But if it, this wasn't a break. Mm-hmm. This was a I don't have a voice, I'm small, or it was also analysis paralysis. If I just Google enough. And then, I, then I'll be able to figure out before I do my thing. And I really just wanted to take her by the hand and just get her to simply stand up from off yeah. the couch. Like, put the wine down, set mm-hmm. the phone down. Like, just stand up. Mm-hmm. Feel those legs. Like, they're holding you up. Mm-hmm. Feel that courage. Feel that voice that you have. Feel that strength that's within you. Yeah. And then I wanted to walk her from the couch out the front door. Yeah. Because when you walk out the front door, you feel the wind. You feel the sun on your face. And then you look around and you see... I've got neighbors, and my neighbors need me. Because when we play small lives, other people are missing out. Yeah. It's not just us that's missing out. Other people are missing out. Yeah. Because we each have something unique that we're called to bring to bear on creating opportunity for other people. Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to help women rise up, but not necessarily with a hardcore kick in the pants. So my book will give you a kick in the pants, but it's mm-hmm. it's more of a reached out hand. Yeah. It's saying, let's go. Let's do I've been there. Let's go do this together. Right. Mm-hmm. And that perfectionism thing really hits home. Especially like with the podcast, you, mm. I've never done it before. Yeah. The first of the few episodes, like the audio wasn't that great. And, you know, you just have to get up and do it. You know, you just got to do it. That per- the, uh, what did you call it? The paralysis? Yeah, analysis paralysis. That's true. That is <laughs> yes, it is. Especially life. with Google now. Yes. You know, in the old days, all we had was like a phone book. You probably weren't even around no, for the phone book No, I did the days. phone book thing. But, I had a full encyclopedia set too. Okay, that's yeah. true. So we had mm-hmm. encyclopedias mm-hmm. and we had phone books. Yeah. Well, now you have access to... Everything. How I Built This by NPR. I mean, yeah. you have... And so you're seeing all of these like very much in game people mm-hmm. that are Oprah, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And yet like we compare our very beginnings to someone else's middle or their ending. Or their yeah, their very best. Their very best. Yeah. And that's why I love sitting down and talking about the gross parts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's un- why I wrote this book. Yes. Because I mean, I am the first to say I still get it wrong, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and I think we all get it wrong. And there's something about, I talk a lot in my book about compassion, about self-compassion. Yeah. And I think when we can really understand that common humanity, 
we all mess up. We're all afraid. We all think we're going to get it wrong. We all do get it wrong sometimes. We all get it right sometimes too. I think um, embracing that common humanity really helps us to access a self-compassion that helps us to step out into risk. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I've heard about the buzz about the book is that you've incorporated body image yes. into a book that's, you know, about business. Yeah, yeah. About starting your business. Right. But I am so proud of you for doing Thank that. Thank you. I think it's just so intrinsic to us as women. It is. It is. Um, to 98% be concerned they about say. That, but like, how have you struggled with body image? Like, how has it played into that fear? Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that I grew up in an environment where appearance was really important. And it seemed like I believed that if I could be the skinny girl in the cute bikini, that somehow that would win me more love and acceptance. Mm -hmm. You know, somehow then I'd be the first to get asked to prom. Mm -hmm. And I think that that began me on a journey of perpetual dieting, mm -hmm. trying to hustle after my worth and think if I could just be thinner, then I would reach this person that I had in my head of my dreams that was perfectly accepted and loved and never made mistakes and was a unicorn. Right? If I love myself on the outside, maybe I'll love myself on the inside, right. too. Right. Or maybe other people. And other if people. Other love. people. Yeah. And so if I could just look like this, then that would be my ticket to success, belonging, love, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And so I just spent so many years on this train of dieting, of pursuing perfection outwardly, and it just took me so long in life up until just a few years ago when I realized my acceptance doesn't come from my body. My acceptance comes from me, from within. And for me, I believe in a God, too, that loves me. So I think the combination of that realization helped me to start laying down this hustle to be thin and be perfect and all of these things that I thought would somehow buy me this ticket to the acceptance train. Mm -hmm. And so self-acceptance has been a newer journey for me, which yeah. is crazy. Were you afraid to talk about that in the book? Yes, I was so afraid. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to talk about it because, first of all, it kind of lays, puts my cards out there, you know? And sometimes you start talking about your body, people start noticing your body, mm -hmm. you They're know? like, oh, let me look. Oh, yeah. okay, what size are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, I even had someone call me out, like in an Amazon review, that was like, I can't believe she struggles with this, like she's not overweight or whatever, you know what I mean? Like they were almost like calling this, me. Yeah, it's not an opportunity for you to start critiquing me, you know? Right, I'm and I knew it to, would be, yeah, but yeah, I knew yeah. it would be. So I was, I was afraid to talk about body image. I also, um, I don't know, I guess I didn't want to be fully become like this platform child or the, this woman who's just become this like body yes. image, that's my platform. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the main thing I was afraid of is that I'm still in process. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I have to put a bow on this before I can talk about it. Mm -hmm. And that actually, this is crazy, but... That's what almost kept me from writing the book. Wow. Yes, it was. Primarily, it was because I thought, this is an issue that's still a challenge for me. Mm -hmm. 
and I need to be able to like conquer this completely, put a bow on it, get five stars from my therapist. It's like, you're all better. Mm-hmm. And then I can write a book. Because it's a piece of your story. You're not going to just leave it out. Right. And it, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I'm so committed to authenticity and vulnerability that there is no way I could leave this out. Mm-hmm. Which I know is interesting. And journalists have asked me that. Like, how come you included body image in this business book? I mean, it's number one on Amazon for business and women. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, 98% of women don't like something about our bodies. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and so... It, people, women let us... We let it hold us back. We let it hold us back. Whether it's from being confident on presentation day at work. Yes. Whether it's from not taking our cover-up off to swim Mm -hmm. with our kids at the public pool. Yes. Whether it's like, I'm having to put my fat jean size on tonight, so forget it. I'm not going to go out tonight. Mm -hmm. We let the stupid thing, and I'm not going to it is stupid. It is stupid. It's stupid. But we all do it. But we do it. Yeah. But we do it. And Mm -hmm. I just, I wanted to call that out, and... I'm still in process, mm-hmm. and I realize it's okay. Yeah, it's okay to still be in process and write a book. <laughs> yeah, it is. But and the the conversation is what's important. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Just having the conversation about it is absolutely. Really important. So you've been able to share your story now. It's out in the book. People are buying it. Um, and now you're doing book the book tour too. Yes. So, um, you're interacting with people who have yes. heard your story. Yeah. Your vulnerability. Your authenticity. Yeah. How have you seen it made an impact on people? Like, what does that feel like to I know? mean, it's awesome. Yeah. It's so awesome. I, I just, I love what Oprah said at the Emmys this year, that owning and speaking your truth is the most powerful tool that we have. Mm-hmm. And I think as I own and speak my truth and we become the first to go in that, then it, it creates a space for other people to do that too. Mm -hmm. And I just love encouraging women to be brave, whatever that brave might be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I hate for people to look and say, Oh, well to be brave, I need to start a social impact brand that's impacting thousands of people around the world. And I'm like, it didn't start off like that. It started off as me pawning jewelry at a, at a pawn shop, Mm -hmm. you know? So I just think it's really important to own our little steps of brave. And just like a toddler learns to walk by walking, we get our courage legs by just standing up and going scared. And having women share their going scared stories Mm -hmm. with me is, it's it's amazing. So much fun. It is so much fun. Um, I said the same thing like when starting the podcast. I was like, I know that I'm going to create this and it's just going to be like me and my mom that listen to it. (laughs) And that was okay for me. Right. You know what I mean? There's a lot of joy in that. It meant so much to me that I was like, if just me and my mom listen at the end of the day, that's fine. Yeah. But now that people are listening, you know, in in telling me that they love, they're so excited to hear a story. I can't wait to share it with them. But it's really powerful. So, um... I was kind of reflecting on some of the things that I deal with on a day-to-day, and you have so a much bigger reach than I do. Obviously, you know, you're connected to the rest of the world. What are some of the issues, or maybe it's multiple, maybe it's just one, that you think women collectively, what are some of the big issues that we're really dealing with right, right now? Well... I think that our biggest issue is ourselves. I think that we, I talk about this in my book, the itty bitty bullshit committee that we all have living in our head Mm -hmm. that tells us play it small, live into what, how you want other people to perceive you. Um, 
you know, before we get into obviously the cultural issues that say, be feminine and be strong, be skinny, but not too skinny, have kids, but not too many kids, have an amazing career, but also be a stay at home, you know, ninja. Yes, we have these cultural issues, but I believe that we can kick that to the side, embrace, you know, for me, I talk about this whole embracing an and mentality that we can be social justice advocates and still shop at the stores that we love and we can drink kombucha and then we can also eat pizza on Fridays and we can be powerful CEOs and also good moms that all of these things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. So I believe culture has definitely wanted to box women in, but I believe in order to break that box open, we first have to identify where we have boxed ourselves in and where we have let people sit at our lunch table that are not allowed to be there. And we simply need to say, hey, go sit at that other table. You know, I'm going to I'm going to have people that sit at my t- table that tell me that I'm worthy and that, that the kind of people we talked about earlier that we can borrow our brave from and we can borrow our belief from. Imagine your lunch table filled with a bunch of people that are seeing you as who you can be as your future self as your potential self like those are the people we need sitting at our lunch table in our own minds in our own hearts in our own souls I believe that when we do that then we can face the lies of our culture and actually have power to kind of stand up against those lies so that is the universal thing that I hear among women and it doesn't matter if I am in Ecuador or in Africa or in Austin or in Idaho it is this idea that I have this voice, this this itty bitty bullshit committee that's telling me, you stay can't, seated, you can't, you can't. stay small. You're either too much, or you're not enough, or you're not adequate enough. You don't have the right background. You don't have enough money, and we harp on all of the things that we don't have instead of being able to own what we do have. And we have so much. Every single one of us mm-hmm. has so so much. Yeah, own it. Own it, girl. Own it. Own it. I was going to ask you, the follow-up question of that was going to be, how do we do that? Obviously, we just answered it. Own it. But would you also say um, it has to do with creating your community, too? I mean, you've Absolutely. got this just epic support system. Yeah. Um, and I just see that so much now of the women who are finally taking charge of themselves and their lives are reaching out to others. Yes. And that is the most beautiful thing yes. to witness. And that is my favorite part in the book. Mm-hmm. And if I were to write a second book, mm-hmm. it would really focus on the second part of my book, which I call The Sisterhood Effect, mm-hmm. which is this idea of what happens when we show up for one another, mm-hmm. when we aren't afraid to ask for help and we aren't afraid to reach out our hand, and that when we show up, we go up and we bring other women along with us. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I love this my Angela quote. It says, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. And my name might be written on this book in perfect courage, but I'm telling you there could be 10,000 names in that book mm-hmm. because of women who have showed up. And, you know, I wasn't afraid to ask for help either. I mean, I, I'm not saying I was, I was afraid, and I did it anyway. For sure. Of course. I was afraid women weren't going to show up. Mm-hmm. I was afraid women would say no. And, of course, millions have said, I mean, come on. I just got a list back from my publicist of how many pitches she's done for me to be on different things and how many no's I've gotten, you know? And it's like, well, what am I going to do with that? Am I going to focus on the no's, or am I going to focus on 
the amazing things that have happened and how I'm just going to pitch them again, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think that there is um, so much value in unchoosing isolation. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of power in realizing that we, we choose aloneness. We choose it. Mm -hmm. And I, I like saying that even though it can sound harsh because that means we can unchoose it. Mm -hmm. You know, each of us has the power within in us to reach out to someone and say, meet me for coffee. Yes. And I, I love that that's what you're doing. Yeah. And I love that that's your story because that is the beginning. Yes, own it, mm -hmm. but you've got to go it together. Like I said earlier, it's when you link your success to someone else's, mm -hmm. that's when you grow that those courage legs that are going to really take you through the long haul. And the no's, they, they feel like they're so powerful, but it's... Um, the possibility of a yes. Like I reached yeah. out to you on social media. Yes. I mean, we have this crazy connection that kind of pulled us together in the end, but you responded to me on social media. Yes. And I just think like the worst that could have happened is that you never saw the message and you didn't respond. And that right. would have been fine, but look at what is happening now. Oh my gosh, such a great conversation. Just because I had, you know, the bravery, the to courage ask. to ask. To ask. That's what I tell everybody, you know, is like ask. people, yeah. Ask. There's no harm in asking. There is no harm in asking. Yeah. So you've got a, a company and a family and a book and a podcast and <laughs> uh, many other things. Is there a next for Jessica Honiger? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, it's interesting. I'm so committed to the growth of Noonday Collection. And I think my next would be being able to rescue more women out of brothels in Eastern Asia and being wow. able to provide more jobs for women living in Uganda and Rwanda and Ethiopia. Mm -hmm. um, that truly is my next. Mm -hmm. And that's what actually uh, keeps me pounding the pavement. Yeah. And, you know, I... Like I said, hearing these no's, and I'm like, that's okay, because someone's going to say yes, and it's mm -hmm. going to make a difference around the world when they do. Yeah, and I, man, you need a documentary crew. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Well, the videos that you have. We do. We do. Oh, my gosh. We have a the, wealth of, of It's just not, videos. Um, you know, feasible for everybody to make that journey. Yeah. But it just has to be, well, it's changed your life. Yes. You know, but. Yes. I can't even imagine. For me, who's starting a new role, a new leadership role specifically in just two weeks, I'm going to be walking into a brand new group of people that know nothing about me and I know nothing about them. Uh, do you have any advice for me in that situation, uh, taking on a new leadership role? And I don't know, just, you know, trying to show that you want to be there for them and help yes. them, but also that you're strong. Right. Gosh. Yeah. I think that's such a great frame for the question. Yeah. Because I think that you could go one way and just be the listener. Mm -hmm. As someone who's often on the hiring side as a CEO, I really appreciate a strong perspective. And I think that when you come in as a, as a strong listener yeah. and you're able to actually show that you're a listener by re recounting what you've heard and is there anything else did I miss anything can you tell me more and then not being afraid to to show your point of view I think oftentimes when people are starting new jobs they're a little bit afraid to show their point of view because they really want buy-in and they want to show that I'm collaborative and camaraderie 
but honestly, I think that they hired you for your that strength that you showed in the interview process and yeah. that perspective and point of view that you had in the interview process. Walk in with that because mm-hmm. that's why they hired you. Yeah. Yeah. Embrace the and. I know. I'm excited. And I'm excited for you. Yeah. It's just going to be a great opportunity and I'll be channeling your courage. Absolutely. Channel. <laughs> hey, borrow my belief. You need belief. Yeah. You just re- DM me on Instagram. Yeah. And then how can people help? So obviously they can, uh, you know, buy the jewelry. Yes. Um, they can host a party. What right. are some of the other ways that they yeah, can Yeah. So open your home for sure, especially during the holidays. And you get all this free, free jewelry when you free open. Jewelry. Free jewelry. And it's gorgeous. It's handmade. I mean, that's really a win-win. I know I saw a girl. I was like, <laughs> yep, you're wearing some of our yeah, earrings. I bought the, uh, I bought the, um, I oh love gosh, those. I bought another pair. Okay. I showed Josie and Josie's like, Oh, she texted her mom. She texted yeah. me and she was did. like, can you get me these? Yes. Oh, that's awesome. Those were mine. Like, okay. I pulled oh, it off of awesome. my ear okay. so that she could take a picture. Okay, so you'll yeah. have to show me which ones they were. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, definitely open your home to host a trunk show. If you're looking for additional income, you can become an ambassador. And buying my book right now, I mean, as a first-time author, the more people that purchase my book now, the more likely Target will pick it up and some of these other retailers that they often don't give opportunities to first-time authors. Authors. So mm-hmm. um, I, that also helps us as well. Okay. And listen to the podcast Oh, as going well. scared. Yes. Going scared. And uh, the, just some of the people that you've talked to. Are it's really, It's been amazing. Really cool. It's been amazing. And yeah. It's your I've, Oprah. Your Oprah. Oh, my gosh. Moment. It's been fun. Yeah. Getting yeah. to talk to um, the guy who's on the executive team for Google, for Google oh. leadership. Yeah. <laughs> Were you nervous about that? Fred Hoffman. Um you know, I was nervous, but he immediately put me at ease, which yeah. I think just speaks to volumes, you know, yeah. to the person that you're interviewing. So Cool. Well, um, that's all I got for you. Thank you. I appreciate your time. This was so fun. And I... I know I wrote it to you, but you literally, you were on my dream list of people Aww, to interview. And so, that was humbling to, to hear. And I'm just like so glad that it's so you cool. in person are like just as cool as you are <laughs> on social media and online. I and keep it real. And I keep it real. I, and for everybody who's listening, I asked her to get coffee and she showed up with a cold brew. So <laughs> that's right. I think uh, that's confirmation that you're keeping it real. So keeping it real. I appreciate your time. My trademark is also a high five. So oh, let's do it. High five. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so incredibly grateful to have met and to now know Jessica in person, in real life. This conversation is actually going to continue tomorrow. We have a bonus episode this week of the Coffee with Katie podcast. We are doing something crazy called Podception. It is podcast inception between Coffee with Katie and Kick-Ass Women, and I too. These women are incredible. Jess and Elsa, we're all sitting down. We're having a conversation about life milestones, big life changes, and how to get through them. So make sure to tune in tomorrow for that bonus episode. And then as soon as you're done there, head over to their podcast because we continue the conversation in a slightly different way, talking about what we would tell our teenage selves. And 
that episode is really fun. It's really funny. Uh, we were a bottle of wine in, so theirs is much more entertaining than probably mine is. I'm giving them all the credit here, but this is kind of a fun little thing we're trying. So Podception tomorrow, bonus episode. And don't forget to subscribe if you enjoyed today's episode. I would love to see a review or a comment or a rating. That is really going to ensure that other people will get to hear these episodes, get inspired. Um, It gives us more exposure on Apple Podcasts. So thank you again for tuning in. If you're going through something right now, I believe in you. Say no to the fear. You got this, girlfriend. Um, And yeah, wish me luck too, man. This is going to be an interesting couple of weeks, but exciting and good and awesome. And just, man, life is good, guys. Life is good when you find your happiness. So I believe in you. Okay, I'm going to stop rambling. I hope you have a great day. Uh, Be kind to everybody and love one another and all those good vibes. Okay, bye.